Hear the word of the Lord from Romans chapter 15, verse 30. Now I beg you, brethren, through the love of Jesus Christ, through the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in prayers to God for me. Lord, we come today as beggars. We are people that know the weight of pleading with one another to through the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of the Spirit to pray for me. Lord, you have called your church to be a house of prayer, a community of prayer, a people of prayer and praise. From the very first moment of your infant church, the prayers of your people have risen as incense into the very throne room. And God, you've heard and you've responded. Or we don't understand all the rhythms of that, but we give you praise for it today. And we ask you afresh, Lord, as we look into your word, as we're instructed again about the prayers of the people, that you would pour out on us a fresh anointing of grace and intercession. Or we confess to you that we love you. And God, we know it's because you loved us first. Lord, today in this room, I also pray for those who do not know you or the hope of the gospel. God, speak to their hearts and encourage ours that we would be a witness of your life and your love on this, your earth. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. And we pray together, say, amen. Friends, please be seated. I invite you to take a copy of God's Word. And again, if you didn't bring one, we, we encourage you to steal one from us. Turn with me to Romans chapter 15. We continue the teaching series, Prayers with Paul. Today we're looking at the idea of the prayers of the people being a community of faith that is governed and encouraged and nourished by prayer. The verse I read just a moment ago is Paul's prayer request to these brothers and sisters. And it's a raw one, isn't it? I beg. Some of you might even been taught very specifically and plainly never to beg that it was below your dignity. But life has taught you that there are seasons and there are moments where the only proper posture to take is the posture of a beggar. It's here in this place that God's strength is made complete in our weakness. So Paul, the mighty missionary, the victorious one, with pen in hand, begs. When a strong man begs, as my grandmother used to say, you best pay attention. 
So for a few moments this morning, let's pay attention. Because what Paul does in the 15th chapter of Romans is he lays the pillars. He puts those big, strong pilings in place. I remember my grandfather preparing a building one time. Uh, the soil was terrible. So he, they, they drove pine pilings down into the earth till they hit the rock. And in the 15th chapter of Romans, Paul drives some pilings all the way down to the rock. He set some foundation strength in place. And he gives us the characteristics of a people that are shaped by prayer that are shaped by faith. For a few moments this morning, I want to linger over those, those strong places that go deep, that are underneath our lives. If you're a note taker, I'll try to help you out. So here's number one. We can be a people of prayer and faith by bearing one another's burdens. Let's read together the first six verses. We then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak, put up with the failures of the weak, and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. For even Christ did not please himself, but as is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Put up with the failures of the failures. Now, this is not something we typically talk about in North American church life because we like the victories of the victor. We like the prosperity of the rich. We like the strength of the healthy. That's what gets the underlines. And here he says, put up with the failures, with the weak. The greater context are the weak and the strong in this language of those who come from a Jewish background, those who come from a Gentile background, and how to deal with life together under the reign of Christ. How to deal with meat and, and what you eat and what you drink and how you order your daily life. And, and they were arguing and they were, and they were fussing. And, and Paul was calling on both the weak and the strong to live their lives together under the reign of God. And here he directly speaks to the strong ones. And he says, you put up with those that are weak. Bear up under the load that the failures are having such a hard time handling. Don't ridicule, don't walk away, don't make fun of, don't look down on. Come alongside and push, bear up, push, bear up, push and hold it together. Have you ever been carrying a burden and you were, you were dropping it? Maybe you're moving a, a sofa sleeper in. You know if somebody really is your friend, if they'll invite you to help you move a sofa sleeper <laughs> to the third floor of the apartments, you know. You ever been there struggling and you're about to die and then comes a big guy with all the muscles right behind you and he just picks it up and walks with you? Bear, bear with the weak. 
and carry those burdens. What kind of weaknesses do we know in the church? I suggest just a couple today. We know the weakness that comes from our own sin and our shame. We blow it. We blow it. Years ago, I was a student at New Orleans Seminary, and we had these little prayer groups, these spiritual formation groups, and, and, and they, they gave professors to these groups. I don't know if they wanted to give them some extra work or what, but they assigned some professors. And, and, and the, the, the card was drawn, and, and Janine Bozeman was the professor over our spiritual formation group. And we'd meet, and we'd talk, and she'd walk through some spiritual disciplines, some practices that might help us be people who pray, actually be pastors that pray. And, and so she was teaching us those things. And, and one day, this old kind of crusty, crumpled man walked into our this spiritual formation group. Baggy blue jeans. He looked like everybody's sort of uncle you didn't talk much about, you know? He just sort of shuffled in the room. The man's name was Brendan Manning. Brendan Manning was a priest. He called himself a vagabond evangelist. He knew great success and he knew great failure. And he knew the wild and wonderful love of God. And for a few moments, he just talked about the Abba Father and having a ruthless trust in the Abba of Jesus, the Father of our Lord. His most famous book is The Ragamuffin Gospel. It was popular many years ago, and some of you still have it. Some of you have lost it. Some of you have given it away. But there's a line in the early portion of that book where Manning said to all the church, any church that will not accept that it consists of sinful men and women and exists for them implicitly rejects the gospel of grace. He goes on to to quote Hans Kuhn, who says, It deserves neither God's mercy nor man's trust. The church must constantly be aware that its faith is weak, its knowledge dim, its profession of faith halting, that there is not a single sin or failing which it has not in one way or another been guilty of. And though it is true that the church must always disassociate itself from sin, it can never have any excuse for keeping any sinners at a distance. If the church remains self-righteously aloof from the failures of the irreligious and the immoral people, it cannot enter justified into God's kingdom. But if it is constantly aware of its own guilt and sin, it can live in joyous awareness of forgiveness. The promise has been given to it that anyone who humbles himself will be exalted. Bear. Bear with the failures of the failures. And friends, we've all been there and likely will be there again. And the only answer to our brokenness is the strength of the Lord Jesus Christ and the victory of his gospel. We have to look in the mirror and see grace and see God and see hope and see our deep need, our weakness and our sinfulness. This is a pillar a pillar of the house of God, the house of prayer for all nations. But it's not just sin that causes our weakness. It's also those seasons of suffering born generally because of the sinfulness and brokenness of the world. 
I've told you many times that I pray for, for two kinds of people to come into the church, for God to send us helpers to come alongside and bear the, bear the load of bearing witness to the gospel from this corner of the city outward, and for those who are hurting. And those categories, no one ever stays in their same lane because, because God's grace brings the hurting forward, uh, and, and because life happens to everybody, it rains on the just and the unjust. You can move into that place in life where you are bearing the burdens of the gospel and sharing life in and for others. And there are seasons where the strong are withered because of life. Some of you don't know me well, and some of you know me very well. And I'm living a long way away from family, so you're the best I got. And I love you. And you've loved our family for quite a while now. So just for a moment, I need to, to, to be indulged with, the, with a personal little, little time. Yesterday, I saw one of the strongest men I know, one of God's great, strong helpers, fall. And those around him began to bleed from the inside out. I'm 40 years old. My friend Justin Mudcat Cobb turned 43 yesterday, and on his birthday, jogging by my mom and dad's house, corner of Grandview and 40th in Meridian, Mississippi, he falls over dead. As a young leader in Meridian in the church, he was a young deacon in that church. He served every way you could possibly serve. When he died, there were children in that church, and their only question was, who's going to teach me RAs? Circuit judge, brilliant young attorney, life ahead of him. My heart ripped in two. The strongest people I know, they're some of the weakest people on earth right now. Fragile, fragile as an eggshell. Because the rain falls. This morning I was walking into church. Eddie Chavez, my good friend. Eddie always brings me artwork. He does in Sunday school. Eddie could tell I wasn't doing so well. He said, how you doing, Madison? I'm not doing so well, Eddie. I said, I had a good friend die yesterday. He said, what's his name? I said, Justin. He put his hand directly on the top of my head. And he started talking to God. A sweet anointing of the Spirit. Blanketed my life because of the words of Eddie's prayer and the faithfulness of God. Some of the smartest guys I know call me last night. We're talking late into the night. I don't have any words to say. I don't either. I said, guys, maybe that's okay. You know, Job's friends did okay till they started talking. <laughs> All we had were the groans. But we read this crazy Bible that say our unutterable groans, just the, just the baked-in hurt of our heart, rises up to God. And the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, hears and transforms that into grace and power, power beyond our ability to comprehend or even imagine. 
And if you've walked with Jesus for any season of life, you'll know the truth of that. You know it because I've heard you bear witness to it. It's one of the blessings of walking with God in Christ. Is that strength comes beyond us. And strength comes for us. And we are able to, when we are strong, bear with the weaknesses of the weak. And when we are weak, we know the strength of God. And all of those sisters and brothers who name the name of Christ, coming alongside and pushing up and bearing with us. That's a pillar in the foundation of the house of God, a prayer of all people. You say, Matt, how, how do you do it? What did Paul say? How did, how did he tell them to, to cultivate this in their life? This is what he said. He said, you do it through the patience and comfort of the scriptures. What a wild sentence. It's right there, verse 4. Through the patience and the comfort of the scriptures. We have been given a witness, a witness of God's truth, God's breath, God's, God's strength. And as we give our lives to walking through those pages and faithfully listening for the voice of God, we get the whispers and the shouts of heaven that pull us forward and make us patient and make us courageous and make us strong. Friends, if you're reading the Bible only when you show up at church, it's not enough. Find that place in your life where you can develop a rhythm of living before the Word that the Word may live before you and you find in your life the strength and the comfort of the Holy One, the patience of the Scriptures. We can bear one another's burdens. All right, second thing for you note-takers, we can accept one another. Let's pick up in verse 7. Therefore receive one another just as Christ received us to the glory of God. Now I say that Christ Jesus has become a servant to the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made to the fathers and that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercies as is written. For this reason I will confess to you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you peoples. Laud him, all you peoples. And again, Isaiah says, There shall be a root of Jesse, and he shall rise to reign over the Gentiles. In him the Gentiles shall hope. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We can accept one another. Now, what was Paul talking about? Paul had been writing to these Christians, this church that was comprised of people from both Jewish and Gentile backgrounds. Jesus, the Messiah of Israel. Jesus, the light to the nations. And here in one church, they were worshiping God together. And it was causing them challenges. There was great blessings, but also great challenges with those things. And he said, you can accept one another with one mouth, with one heart. You can praise God. You can accept one another, and you can do it in Christ. Now, this is not some type of temple of tolerance. This is not some type of secular commitment to affirmation. This is a oneness that was bought by the precious blood of Christ. And instead of leading to some totalitarian life, to some type of regime telling you how to be and what to think, one that is bought by the freedom of the Spirit of God. 
a oneness that is real and authentic because the oneness is all rooted to God and Christ. We can live as one because we can meet at the cross and there at the cross we are made together one people. Jew, Gentile, and every other category under the face of the earth. And our life of prayer, becoming a people of prayer as we pray for one another, it's made as our minds and our mouths are joined together under the reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's fed from without, not maintained from within, but, but empowered from without by the Holy Spirit whom God gives us. How does it happen? Through the hope and peace and joy of the Holy Spirit. Verse 13. Just, just previously he said that the kingdom of God is not a matter of the table. It's not a matter of eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And the inbreaking of God's reign among us is the inbreaking of God's hope and his peace and his joy. And this is the place of our gathering. This is the place of our life together and the springboard from whence our prayers ascend. We can accept one another as Christ has accepted us. All right, verse 14. We can admonish one another. Now, I consider uh, my confident concerning you, brethren, that also are full of goodness, filled with knowledge. You are able to admonish one another. You are able. You are able to instruct one another. Here's another message to the strong. We live in a time where people have become consumers of religious goods and services. Christian cork sniffers. You've seen people drink wine in restaurants? They sniff the cork. They decide whether to send it back or keep it. A lot of people treat church like that. They, they, they dabble in. They sniff the cork. They decide to keep it or go someplace else. Consumers of religious goods and services. This was not God's vision for his people. Christ is sovereign over his church. And he wants to put the church together in such a way that the teams, that the teams make sense uh, and that those churches can penetrate a, a world of lostness and hurt in a way that, that, that matters. God puts together units and battalions, not merely collections of consumers. And he said to this church, you're able. You're able. You're able to teach one another. You're able to admonish one another. You're able to do it. You can do it. A lot of people get to the point in their life where they feel like they're able and they start going, well, I really don't need that anymore. I really, I really don't need that group of people any longer. I've sung all those songs. I've eaten the donuts every Sunday morning. I've had all the bad coffee I can tolerate. I really don't need that anymore. Congratulations, strong one. Maybe you don't. Maybe that means you're able. Maybe that means you finally come to the place where you can offer something. Maybe it's something as simple as picking up the donuts you've been eating all those years. You're able. You're able. 
and you can teach and admonish and courage and pour life into one another. And the final one, and we won't read all of the verses. I want you to later linger over 15 to 33. But finally, let me highlight again verse 30. We can strive together in prayer. I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ, that through the love of the Spirit, you will strive together with me in prayers to God. He gave his itinerary. He said, this is where I'm going. This is what I want to do. He said, I want to come see you again. I want to go to Spain. He had all these wonderful plans. He said, God has for this for me to do, and I believe God wants to do this, and I want to come and chill out a while and rest and be refreshed, and we share together. I mean, just read it. It's beautiful. It's personal. It's real. It's earthy. It's alive. You know, this, this one, I can't wait to get with you again so that we can be refreshed together. I mean, this is his heart. This is his heart. But he says, I, this is what I'm begging you to pray for. He says, I'm about to go down to Jerusalem. And he said, I, I, I've been collecting this offering from the Gentile churches to help the struggling, the struggling Jewish Christians. And he said, there's a lot of people in Jerusalem that are opposing me. And he says, and I sure want them to accept that, accept that offering because I know that, that they need it. And beyond that, I, I know that it would be a lovely, beautiful, powerful testimony to the power of God to make two one in Him. He wanted more than anything for this ministry to succeed. Do you have any burden like that burning in your heart? Is there any ambition for the kingdom in your heart that you would be willing to beg somebody to pray with you about? Paul was willing to beg for prayer because he had a burning ambition for the glory of God to be tasted in the earth for the gospel to advance. Is that present in your life in any dimension? Perhaps that's where we begin today in prayer. God, make us thirsty and hungry for your kingdom. He wanted them to pray against the obstacles, and life is full of obstacles. And he wanted them to pray for the opportunities to open up what obstacles are before you when it comes to the advance of God's kingdom in and through you? And what are the opportunities? He says, I want them to seize this gift and glorify God. And I want these enemies to be held at bay. I, I need a pathway opened up. Do you need a pathway opened up that you might glorify God in the living of your days? Would you share that with the others in your life that name the name of Christ? Would you open your life up? God wants us to be a people of prayer. And that's real. And that's gritty. And that's beautiful. You say, Matt, I, I don't know if I can get there. I'm a, I, I've failed. I'm so weak. It's right there. Man, I don't know if I can get there. There's so much division in the church. We, we, we just fuss and fight, all this kind of stuff. Let's make sure we are, we are fussing about the things that matter. I mean, Paul was a little belligerent at times. And let's let the other stuff go. It's right there. You say, Matt, I just don't see a picture. God, give us a vision of what you want us to do. Give us a picture. Give me something. 
something so beautiful and powerful and real that it would be opposed, something so beautiful and powerful and real that you just want more than anything else in life for it to work to the place that you're willing to beg. God, give us a beggar's hunger for your glory and for the good of the world. Let's pray. God, we love you and we thank you for your faithfulness in those moments of great victory and in the valley of challenge. Lord, you are so real and you are so good. Today, Lord, I pray as we sing this song together that if there are people in this room that need to confess you as Lord and Savior, that they would come. If there are people, Lord, that you've been dealing with and leading to join this church to serve alongside us and minister with us and be ministered to by us to be part of this family, Lord, I pray that they would come.